Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with pastoral counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. And we'll continue with the whole Acts uh, story here, right? We've gone through all the, all the other chapters thus far, just seeing how it all lines up and, and where we're going here. It's, it's just so interesting to see what happens after Jesus is resurrected and it's actually happening exactly as it was told. It's happening and the, uh, the new covenant is actually happening right before us, right here. And, and I've heard other people say it this way, that the book of Acts is still being written and we're part of the book of Acts today because the Acts are still being, uh, are, are still being done. Um, but Acts 6 is a shorter chapter, so we'll kind of have a, a little bit of a break today. So let's go to Acts 6. Verse 1, and remember this is all after the Ananias and Sapphira and, and, and all that uh, good stuff that we talked about. So verse 1, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the, the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. And, and who are the Hellenists? These are um, your Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews. They're ethnically Jewish, but they spoke Greek because they probably lived somewhere else. All right, so they uh, adopted the, the Greek culture, the Greek language. So that's your Hellenists. So they arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What's the daily distribution? You guys remember that? What, the, what some people would consider the socialist aspect, but it isn't. It's the whole when Ananias and Sapphira, that period when everyone's selling their stuff, we're living together and, or not living together, but um, we're, we're sharing in common. All that stuff. So that's what the daily distribution was. They had a daily distribution. It's referring back to all the other stuff that we've already talked about there. That makes sense, I hope. So the widows were being neglected. Now, let's talk about this just really quick here. How could the widows be neglected? How does that even make sense? So what would happen back then is like the Hellenistic Jews, right? We were just talking about the Hellenists. Obviously, they didn't live in Israel. They lived you know, somewhere else. And what would happen is, the belief was is, if you don't live in Israel and you die outside of Israel, you won't resurrect. That was the belief, okay? You have to live on, in Israel. That was the belief back then, that you have to live in Israel so that when you die, you will resurrect. That, that's just what they would teach. Obviously for us, it's almost, uh, it's almost funny. It's like, really? That, how would you believe that? But yeah, we're also New Testament, so that none of that really affects us. And we don't, we don't even, we, look, we probably haven't even heard of that before. But that's what these guys believed. So anyway, long story short, they move up or they come back. You know, like husband and wife, when they would come back is they're, they're probably already old. So an old couple comes into town, they live in Israel now, and then most likely the husband dies. That's usually the case. Husband dies before the wife. And now you have a bunch of widows in town. And what would happen with the Jews is the widows, in fact, there would be so many widows, the, uh, the temple couldn't even like keep up with it because they're all coming from out of town. Does that make sense? So now what's happening is the church is having the effect of the widows because people are being converted. Does this make sense? So couple comes into town, right? The husband eventually dies. And now you have a whole bunch of widows in town. That's why they just can't keep up with the widows. That's the backstory for you. So, so uh, the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. I'll give you the verses here. I mean, we already talked about this, but Acts 4, 32 and 34, you know, we, we talked about that, the whole sharing in common. So um, that's your daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we, should, that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So this is an interesting thing. I really thought about this first because 
what is the true responsibility? What is the priority of the preacher or the pastor? That right there. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. It's not the idea that they're too good to serve tables. That's not the idea. In fact, I would recommend for any, any preacher to, to, yeah, go serve some tables. But what's the most important thing? Because you're called. There's something to that. So if you're the pastor, by all means, that is the key thing. You know, if you're the preacher, preaching the word of God definitely trumps the serving tables. Does that make sense? And that's why I explain that. It's, it's not about you being better. It's, it's not about that. The reason why you're called is to do that specific work. Now, in that, there might be some serving tables. There might be, and you've seen this, you've seen a pastor who also plays the guitar and sings. God bless you. I mean, sometimes you have such a small church, that, that might be the case. But if you can get someone to sing or to play the guitar, chances are, I think, very high that you probably shouldn't be up there. Why? Because this is your key thing, not to do worship, but to preach the Word of God. That's what you're called for. And that's what they're talking about here. It's not right. It's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. So, and this, we can go on rabbit trail on this one. It's your typical church today that takes on the, the food, the pantry, uh, the food uh, banks, right? And now we're doing that. And now we're doing that. Now the preacher's back there passing out food too. Okay, great. But sometimes that trumps the preaching. Sometimes that trumps the church and the work of what he's supposed to be doing in church, which is preaching. That's something to be careful with. And again, you see him sometimes sing. Nothing wrong with that. But if that takes over what you're supposed to be doing, which is preaching the word of God, then we have an issue. Anyway, that was a really long way of saying all that, but it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve table. So uh, Acts 6 verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of this, maybe we should just kind of write this down because this is important. This is your, uh, at least a partial idea of, of your deacons. These are your helps in the church. And Second Timothy has probably a better detailed version of this, but it's good enough for now. Deacons, uh, specifically for, for this work here, good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this too. So we have a good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. So this is the requirement here for these guys who are going to help out. What's the point right now? Remember the widows, okay? The widows, uh, they, they need help. Well, okay, not the pre- it's not the preacher's job to do all that. He can, but that's not the, that's not the reason why he's there. So now we need helpers, right? And here's, here's the, uh, the extension of, of the ministry, the deacons. And notice the list here, good repute. What is that? Like a good report. Okay, don't have a bad name amongst the people. That's very important. If you're going to help, it's hard to help people that don't like you or they see you in a bad light. It makes it, it's not impossible, but it makes it harder. And I say it that way because in some cases, well, you got to use the guy. That's okay. All right, so good repute, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about that. Once you have the Holy Spirit, don't you already, it's either there or it's not, right? No, but think, think of the wording, full of the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's just flowing in you, right? There's something that, that even maybe even overflowing, I'll even use it that way. So full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. So you can't just be a dummy. In this case, does that make sense? So... Good report by who? Good Or good repute by who? By the people. This is what's interesting about deacons. Now, the preacher, whole different story. There, there isn't this qualification. There isn't. You guys know that. Uh, Ephesians 4, right? Who calls them? Well, Jesus. It's God's choice. He gives them to you. Deacons, well, they, in a sense, be voted in. Kind of cool, all right? So, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. And notice, you guys pick, it, pick them out. So, there's, uh, if you will, almost like a vote to it. Seven men of good repute, uh, full of the Spirit, 
and of wisdom. So, so we have three requirements here. Whom we will appoint to do this duty. What was the duty? Acts or Acts six one, basically, right? So I think that's important in the sense that you know when when the ministry gets big enough. In this case, it got big enough. There will we will need helps. There, there God and God will bring the helpers. So that's just something to be aware of. And and there's a, a simple. If you want to use it like almost like a like a formula, that's that's okay too. But verse four. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and that is what the preacher does. Devote yourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's what the preacher does. Verse five. And when they said, "Please the whole gathering," and the wording's funny, you please the whole gathering, and, and you're going to notice uh, uh, probably in one, one other place that I can think of now that um, the idea of oneness is there. Hey, we have this problem, and then. Okay, now we're, we're all good with that. So you're going to see this idea that when the Spirit is there, and the Spirit, oh God, I hate to say it like this, when the Spirit is flowing, oh, I have to find a better way of saying that. It sounds so Bethel, ugh. But um, when, when the Spirit is there freely, moving freely the way it's supposed to, that's the best way I can come up with it, to put it into words. You're going to have that. Will there be those moments where, where you have disagreements? Yes, but it will tend to be solvable. Does that make sense? And what they said, please the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen. Now notice these names. A man full of faith. So this is interesting. That's not on the list. Right? It's on the list. But Stephen, a man full of faith. This guy is so faithful. Alright? He's so faithful. He's considered full of faith. And of the Holy Spirit. That is your requirement there that we see on the board. Now notice these names. And Philip. And Pro- Prochorus. And Nicanor. And Timon. Or Timon. Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. Now, many of those names are not like like American names. Some some are, you know, Steve and Philip. But what you'll notice is they're they're not Hebrew names. There's something to that too. They're like really Greek names, and you're naming off Greek names. So this is kind of the cool part here. We start off Acts two, Acts three, where it starts at home, right? Remember, home base is where it all starts, right? Jerusalem. Starts off with the people of Israel. And now we're seeing it spread. That was what was supposed to happen. In fact, that's what God wanted from the beginning, right? He wants Eden to be populated and populated with his kids. And he's doing it. That, that's the important part. Starts off with Acts 2 and Acts 3 what, with what? Hebrews, right? The, the Israelites. And now what? It's growing. But what are they? They're Hellenistic, right? Remember, it starts off with uh, verse 1. So they're Jews, but they're from other places, Okay. So I just want you guys to see it. It's growing. It's happening. And then again, these, the, the wording is, is interesting to me. Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So this is a convert. Okay, this, this, is, this is an outsider now adopted in. All right, so so far you got a bunch of Jews and now, now you got the outsiders. They're coming in. It's happening. It's happening. This is what they've been waiting for. So it's interesting when they, when they kind of throw in, oh, that, that's where this guy's from. Huh, interesting. Because Antioch isn't... Uh, isn't uh, Jerusalem for sure, right? But uh, I, th- I think there's something to that. I think the idea is, like I said, Jews, right? The Jews first and then also the Greek. It's starting to happen. That's my point. I don't want to go too much further. Verse 6. Uh, These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. You'll notice with laying on the, of the hands, they're done for different reasons. In this case, it's almost like um, I'm, I'm endorsing you kind of idea. But, uh, but there's something to that. Paul will do it in different ways later. Sometimes it'll be to, for the sake of praying for someone. I mean, you guys know this stuff, but just notice the differences. There's just different ways of using laying on of hands. 
Um, and I remember years ago we saw a couple people when they came up here, Pastor, both of you guys, Pastor Zen, Pastor Daniel, they were both up here. And remember, do you guys remember that? A couple years, what do they do? They, they lay on hands. It's a similar idea that the Spirit is there, but it's also an endorsement, um, obviously from God, but it's, it's just an open show. Anyway, I'm getting too, too deep on a little laying on of hands here. But verse 7, and the Word of God continued to increase. So again, notice the story so far. Things are moving, guys. It's happening. It's happening exactly the, the way it was told. We had a little issue, and we found an answer, and they're all together. Yes, okay, that's a good, that's a good idea. The Spirit is moving. It's, it's flowing. And when the Spirit is moving and flowing, look at what happened in this case. The Word of uh, God continued to increase, and that was the whole point. The Word of God is supposed to be increasing. Uh, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. What? Priests? Priests too, guys. Number of priests. How about that? So it's moving. It's happening. If you read commentaries, it'll, it's like the more poor, like the Pharisees were probably more likely to, to join. Probably not the Sadducees. They're, they're the rich ones, you know. So regardless, many priests. But this is an interesting moment. It's, it's, it's all happening. And remember, just a chapter ago, we had Ananias and Sapphira die <laughs> on the spot, man. So God's mercy and his judgment is all there. It's happening. It's flowing. But when you're flowing with God... Things are happening. Things are moving like they're supposed to. And praise God. So that's important. Uh, verse uh, verse 8. And Stephen, and notice, look, we get some more, more titles. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, wasn't he just elected? He was just elected as, as one of the deacons. But now you have this verse saying, and then, you know, full of grace. And then also a full of power and doing great wonders and signs. Well, who else was doing great wonders and signs? The apostles. Obviously Jesus, but now the apostles. And how is Stephen doing it? Well, a couple reasons. One is he is flowing under the apostles through the power of God, obviously. All right, so, so he's flowing in, in that, okay? But also there's something about him. There's some, so he's, he doesn't only have the deacon uh, necessities, I guess, for the, the, the three necessities, but now he's also got the full of grace and power. And let's not forget, he was also very obedient. Regardless of him having grace and power, he was still willing to go and, and do what he's supposed to do for the widows. So the guy's obedient too. That's a really good guy to pick. So I, I hope you guys can see this, this big list. Why Stephen? Well, there's, there's quite a few reasons. The guy's the, the perfect guy. And you guys know the rest of the story, but I'll, I'll, I'll let the... I'll just read it out here. Which goes to show, I guess, regardless of what we're given to do, do your best to do it. Regardless of how tough crappy, whatever word you want to use. Because I can't imagine passing out food as a, to me, it doesn't sound fun. To me, it sounds just late, laborious, what's the word? Well, I don't know. Just, it just doesn't sound fun to me. Though it's a necessity, it's not fun to me. It's not, you know, but you still do it if, if you're asked to do it. Anyway, then some of those who belonged to the synagogue uh, of the freedmen, it's a weird sounding, uh, as it was called, freedmen, that was actually a synagogue that was a Greek-speaking synagogue. Uh, and the Cy Cyrenians, uh, let's see here, so Cyrenians, they're from North Africa, Alexandrians, they're, they're from uh, Egypt, and those from Cilicia and uh, Asia. Cilicia is totally a side note, has nothing to do with the Bible, but in um, Julie's last name, Calislian, uh, comes from this word. And I guess Calis, I think, Calis, I, I can't remember the, how to pronounce it now, but I guess that means church. 
not, not, I don't think it's an Armenian, but anyway, totally side note, but uh, I don't think it has any connection to this, but anyway, but uh, Cilicia in Asia is Asia Minor for you, um, rose up and disputed with Stephen. So let me read, reread that. So then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen and of uh, Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from uh, Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. All right, and who's this guy? He's our uh, full of grace and power guy, right? Signs and wonders are happening. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I love that line because it's, it, let's go to Luke chapter 21. Because that's a little bit of proof there, or a lot of bit of proof there, that the spirit is moving in this man. So Luke 21, just a couple verses here. Luke 21, in the middle of, of Jesus talking about like the end and all that stuff, Luke 21 there are earthquakes, there will be earthquakes and all sorts of stuff in verse 11. Uh, but verse 12, he says, But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom. That's exactly what the deacons were supposed to have is wisdom. But this, this is different. This is the Spirit talking. So if the Spirit's talking, dude, it's going to go beyond any, anyone's wisdom. Anyway, but for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. That's exactly what happened right before, right before their eyes. Because what did it say? Let, let, let's just go back uh, to Acts again. Acts 6.10, it says it, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the Spirit Mine's a capital S, with which he was speaking. Guys, when the Spirit moves and when the Spirit is talking, you can't withstand it. You can't, you can't, you can't even stand up against it. It's impossible. Why? Because it's God's Spirit speaking. That helps to even answer verse 8. Why are the wonders and signs happening? Because the guy is full of the Spirit. All right? he's, he's, not just a, he's not just a deacon anymore. There's something about this guy. He is moving in the Spirit. You want to be full of the Spirit. There's your full of the Spirit right there. When you speak, it's, it's God speaking through you. Verse 11, Then they secretly instigated men, isn't that interesting? Secretly instigating men, who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now, who else, who else did that? The Pharisees. Now, here's what's interesting, and you see this even today. You speak facts. You speak truth. You give people God today. What do they come back with? They fabricate things. They instigate. I mean, man, we are in a, a weird climate today, and I'm not talking weather, of all sorts of just wicked things happening. I mean, you, just watch the news. You can see all the wickedness happening. And a lot of it is just lies. What was the guy's name? I, I can't remember his name. He faked, uh, he faked the, um, the guys beating him up, saying it was MAGA. What's his name? Small, yeah, he's, he's on that show, uh, Empire or something like that. The guy faked it, man. The guy faked it. For what? What'd you win? It totally worked against you now, but that's one. But then there's stuff like that. I mean, then, then there's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, who really is an Indian, you know, so or you know, Native American. But anyway, I mean, we can go on for days with stuff like this, right? But that's what you'll notice. They won't come at you with facts or the truth. Now it's personal shots. They got beat up, you know. Though, anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's not get political. But I hope you guys see the picture there. So they secretly instigated uh, men who said, "We have heard him speak blasphemous, blasphemous words against Moses and God." And did we hear any of that? Nope. Nothing blasphemous against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. Man, they want to get this guy arrested. 
What did he do? Signs and wonders? Jeez, man, give the guy a break. But hey, don't be surprised when you're doing God's work and they want to take you away. They want to shut you down. That's normal. In fact, if they don't do that, we have a problem. You may, you may, not, be, you may not be speaking God's word. Just saying. And they set up false witnesses who said, now they got false witnesses, guys, who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. What the heck are you talking about, man? I'm going to go to Mark 14 and I'm going to come right back. This is Jesus before the council. So Mark 14, uh, 53 says, And they led Jesus to the, to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and the scribes came together, and Peter had followed him uh, at a distance. Verse 55. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. Okay, no surprise there. For many bore false witness against him. It's the exact same thing happening, guys. When Satan moves, he moves in lies. Because that's it's all he's got. He's got nothing that is true. But their uh, testimony did not agree. Uh, verse 57 says, And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. When did he say that? He didn't say it like that. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second here. But uh, and in fact, look at this. verse. Okay, back uh, Acts 6, 13. They set up false witnesses. Uh, who said, This man never ceases to speak words against the, this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place. When did Jesus say that? So we, we just read uh, the Mark account. Uh, I'm going I'm to read some other ones here. Mark 13 verse 1 says, And as he came out to the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Did he say, he's going to go and do that? I'm going to go and ruin this place? No, he's saying, no, he's just telling you what's going to happen. In fact, 70 AD, it happens. Matthew 26 says something similar. Verse, oh, that's right. I already quoted this one for you guys. But uh, just read the, the, the punchline here, verse 61, and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And again, that's not what he said. John 2 now, now we're quoting Jesus. John 2, verse uh, 18. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then if you keep reading, it tells you more. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So guys, he wasn't lying. But what are they doing? They're taking words out of context. Guys, it's the same thing that happens today. It's, it's the exact same thing. And guys, it's so easy. I mean, we can go political. It's just, it's just too easy. But it's, it happens in politics all day long. All day long. And they, it's all back there. Guys, it's simple. It's just lies. Anyway, I'm back in Acts, finishing this up here. For we have heard him say uh, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered. What are they even talking about? When did Jesus come to change the customs that Moses delivered? Well, we're in the New Testament now, but I mean, and I'll just quote Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or prophet. I haven't come to abolish, to, to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So he's not, he's not trying to change the laws. You are under a new covenant, though. So he's not here to destroy the place. He's talking about his own body. I mean, you guys know the backstory to this, but that, that was the verses for you. But notice, notice just the fabrication that happens with, with all this. Um, anyway, last verse here. Finish this off. Uh, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that uh, his face was like the face of an angel. Does that mean he was cute? 
It has this weird connection. You see, sometimes they'll say things like, what is that? Why would you say it like that? And this is one of those moments. What, what is the idea? It looks, he looks like a, the face of an angel. The idea of glowing. And what, where do we see a glowing? We have Jesus, right? When he glows, right? Transfigures. But we also have Moses when he glows. When do they glow? They've seen God. Or, or it's, it's almost like uh, God almost like back in their play. There's something about this. It's not that he's cute, okay? He doesn't accuse <laughs> cute as a button. No, it's not that. There's something to this. The guy is moving in the spirit, all right? Not only could you not uh, refute him when he spoke, now the guy, how does it say it? His face was like the face of an angel. The idea is, man, he's, he's, he must be, it's the glory, man. The glory of God is there. So, guys, like, he's, it's like saying, guys, like, don't, don't get this twisted. You see it all over. You see the deacon aspect. You see the, he's full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Miracles are happening, like again, qualifying the guy that, yeah, this is, this, is, this is a guy, this is God's man. And then let's not forget, face of an angel, like the idea of he's glowing. This is, this is God's man. So I hope you guys can see those little clues. I hope that at least it makes sense. But uh, it was all fabrication, just trying to, but, but this is the crazy part. You guys know the rest of the story. His life is interesting. I mean, he's, there's just like a glimpse of him and, and his life ends in the next chapter, right? It's, he's just there for a moment, but man, he plays such a pivotal role. I mean, wow, wow. Stephen is something else. But anyway, we'll look at that uh, next week. But yeah, any questions? Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.